Hello, Cedarville. Welcome back to the Cedarville Stories podcast, Rachel Hartley. She is a 2015 Cedarville nursing graduate. Her journey with travel nursing started in the spring of 2020 and has led her to New York City, New York, New Haven, Connecticut, St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands, Toledo, Ohio, and Los Angeles, California. Enjoy this conversation with your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, for that introduction, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and joining me today on the program is Rachel Hartley, a traveling coronavirus nurse who is currently caring for COVID patients in Los Angeles. As a regular listener to the Cedarville Stories podcast, you may recall that back in May of 2020, Rachel joined me on the program as she was just beginning her healthcare ministry in New York City. But since that time, she's experienced new situations in other parts of the world, including L.A., which is why I wanted to bring Rachel back to the program today. Rachel, welcome to the program. It's great to have you back. Mark, thank you so much for having me back. It's such a pleasure to be here. Offline, we had some fun. I I showed uh, Rachel a picture of our sunshine here in uh, southwest Ohio with two, three, four inches of snow, and she promptly shared a beautiful picture from sunny L.A., and it was uh, looked warm and nice, and I'm glad you can serve the Lord in L.A. I know. I I had to say, we are experiencing a cold wave here, too. You know, low 60s is pretty chilly for Los Angeles. So, you know, I'm I'm making the sacrifice wherever the Lord leads me. And as we record this uh, podcast on February 2nd, it's it's 28 degrees in Cedarville, Ohio. But I I digress. Um, But as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, that Rachel is making her second appearance on the program. And that's because she has something really compelling to share, and I wanted her back. So as for background purposes, uh, nearly one year ago, Rachel departed her home in Virginia and sailed with her husband to New York City to serve people battling COVID-19 at NYU Langone Brooklyn Hospital. Since then, she's worked at hospitals in New Haven, Connecticut, St. Thomas, Virgin Island, Toledo, Ohio, and now in L.A. Rachel, as you reflect on all these experiences, what are some takeaways from your service to COVID patients from all the hospital experiences? Mark, so to kind of put all my hospital experiences together, you know, it's interesting to see how similar places are. And even though geographically I have been, you know, in New York City, New England, the West Coast, the Caribbean, the Midwest, all over the country, and certainly have seen many cultural differences still within our U.S.-based health system, um, there is definitely a level of care um, that people are getting which has been really encouraging to see. Um, Even in the U.S. territory, in the Caribbean, there's a a definite standard of care, um, a very high standard that has been really special to be able to take part of. Um, And I feel very blessed to be a U.S. citizen working in this healthcare system, Um, especially due in the middle of a, a pandemic with a very new disease, to see the advancements in research and science that we have been able to make um, and implement really quickly within the hospital system. So that, that's been really cool across all the hospitals. Additionally, you know, just working with other nurses and physicians and advanced practice providers and other healthcare workers, it's interesting how everyone has similar feelings, especially now. We're almost a year into this and everyone is, is getting tired. Everyone is getting weary, but we do see hope on the horizon, yeah. especially with the vaccine. Yeah, the vaccine's a uh, 
as I say, a game changer. And uh, the trends right now are going down. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I'm interested in and getting a little personal perspective from you because you say you have been in various hospitals and and the treatment across the board has been pretty standard, pretty pretty excellent, uh, I would say. But um, are there any special memories that come out uh, from your time, whether it's in New York, the Caribbean, L.A., even Toledo? I mean, anything uh, worth noting? Certainly. Even something that just happened yesterday at work, actually, um, I had a patient that was actually improving and we got to extubate him or, you know, take out his breathing tube. Oh, wow. And yeah, the majority of times that I have been able to extubate a patient is because they're dying and we terminally extubate. Um, mm. And unfortunately, they pass away pretty quickly. So this was just really exciting and really special to do that. And he was improving. And once we took it out, I got onto Zoom and was able to pull up his family and, you know, all of his family members were able to actually speak with him and he could speak back. And that was just so encouraging. And it really made me thankful, you know, to the Lord, just to be able to witness that um, improvement and that progress and that I was able just to partake in this patient's care. So that was extremely special. Um, Kind of on the flip side of that in New York city, it was so early and in the beginning, we weren't allowing um, family members to come in the hospital at all. And kind of throughout my travels, that's pretty much been a rule across the board is that family is not allowed to come in right. just because of the risk of the disease. Right. There, ha- there are few situations where they can come in in certain hospitals. You know, if somebody is actively dying within the next few hours or so, they might allow one person to come in or to come um, stand in the hallway to be with their loved one. And in Los Angeles, that's been the case. And those those instances when they come in, the unit suddenly is filled with with wailing and weeping, and it's really profoundly impactful um, on me and on all the staff. It really humanizes things to hear, you know, a loved one mourning for their the patient that's dying. Um, you know that that is a memory that I'm going to carry with me from many different circumstances. Uh, but it's. I think it's good to really like re-soften my heart towards these people um, and see that human yeah. connection they have. I know when you went to New York, it was at the height of the pandemic. It was really bad in New York City. Was that the worst situation that you found yourself? Or when you went out to L.A., it was not a good situation there as, as well, yeah. which, which has been probably the worst? I still think New York is probably the worst. And I think you know, a good part of that is because it was the beginning and we just didn't know a lot about COVID. And it, because there hadn't been as many restrictions implemented yet in the city, in the state, it was spreading so rapidly. But coming to Los Angeles, it has reminded me of New York City in a lot of ways, just with the severity. And in hospital, we have had to open up other units and transform them into COVID ICUs. You know, we've been really overwhelmed, have brought in a bunch of travel staff, just like New York City and have seen right. patient after patient pass away from this. So there there are a lot of similarities there. So when you talk about seeing uh, patients pass away, I'm talking about you now and your colleagues, your other medical professionals. How big a shot in the arm was yesterday for those medical professionals who saw that patient recover, so, so to speak? So yesterday, it, it was kind of funny when we were doing our tests to you know make sure that we were able to take out the breathing tube and then actually were able to take it out. It was really a huge celebration. 
And in my section of the ICU, I was, you know, kind of running around to everybody saying, hey, we're going to excavate this patient we're excavating. And, and we did it. Like, I, I really was so excited and was sharing with pretty much everybody because um, everyone loves to, you know, celebrate with, it, with each other when that happens because it doesn't happen a lot. So it was, it was a big deal and I think a boost of encouragement and morale for everybody. So as you're listening to this podcast, you know that we're all about telling Cedarville stories for God's glory. So I want to intersect the conversation a little bit now on the spiritual side. From that perspective, Rachel, what's the Lord been teaching you during your total travel ministry caring for COVID patients? Yeah, so throughout this whole ministry, um, so one big theme that has just come through is, you know, the concept of joy and, you know, that that's just a deep-seated gratitude gratitude and glorification of the Lord despite your circumstances. Um, and, you know, I've been going yeah. through the Old Testament and some of the, the minor prophets um, with a dear friend of mine back in Virginia, and um, we were just reading in Habakkuk, um, and the, the last part of Habakkuk, um, he just kind of speaks about how, how things are not going well, how the land um, is being deprived, there's famine, but he says, yeah, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. Um, and just that has been so impactful for me, you know, in this time that we're in, um, when I think everybody is really just yearning for the day when things will quote unquote normalize again. Um, you know, right, when we right. can gather in big groups of people, um, and there aren't any restrictions and COVID is, you know, virtually gone. Um, you know, just despite the circumstances we're going through, we must have joy and rejoice in the Lord because still God is the God of our salvation um, and he is our strength. He puts us in these places and protects us. Um, and, you know, I have seen that in, in so many situations and so many manifestations through this past year. And I'm just so thankful um, for the journey that the Lord has, you know, really authored and brought me and my husband along. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great story. And you reminded me that as I think about the pandemic, I know we all want to go back to normal. We all want to stop wearing our masks. We want to go to events where there are people. And but there's something more important than that. And, and, and you're doing this in your work, and that is pointing people to Jesus. That is paramount in, into what uh, what you're doing. With that in mind, you work with a lot of nurses, a lot of doctors, medical pro professionals. How are you able to intersect uh, your belief in Jesus and the gospel with your coworkers? Is, is that even possible? Yeah, I have to say, you know, thankfully, it's been easier and more natural since COVID started. And from the beginning, kind of realizing my colleagues really are one of my biggest mission fields now, because my patients, right. my patients always are, and their family members always are. Um, but now I really can't speak and communicate with my patients um, and their families. We have such limited communication. So yeah, my colleagues are my biggest mission field. And with going through a pandemic together, we are just extra vulnerable um, and really dependent and relying on each other in hospital. And so naturally that has led to so many just beneficial gospel conversations to share Jesus with many of my coworkers um, and encourage them, you know, and, and seeing death over and over again, everyone has to cope in some manner. So I'm just so thankful to be able to share the hope that I have in Jesus and have, you know, I have seen so many people um, take, take steps towards the Lord um, and at least have their eyes yeah. opened in a sense 
Um, so, so that's been really sweet. I think something that I wasn't expecting in Los Angeles when I got here, um, environmentally, it's actually been a little bit harder because in the hospital, the way they've retrofitted the units to be ready for COVID and um, have negative pressure filters in there, it's really loud and you can barely hear each other talk. Um, and of course, oh. we're wearing the N95 masks and face shields. So to actually, in certain units that we're working in, you actually have to get like within a foot from somebody and yell to be able to speak. So that's presented a whole new challenge, I think, socially for me um, in, when I'm working on that unit to really be able to bond with people and support them socially. Um, but I think overall, uh, I have had so much opportunity to do that and share Jesus with my coworkers. That, that's so encouraging. I, I want to thank you for being transparent in that moment. You know, you know as well as I do that um, when things are going well in our lives, we're very comfortable being self-sufficient. We can take care of this or whatever the situation is, but it's, it's in a crisis. It's in a tough situation is when people are more willing to look for the ultimate answer, which is Jesus. And I thank you for being that person uh, standing in that gap, uh, wherever you are right now in L.A., of doing that. Let me transition a little bit to the healthcare um, angle of the story. So from a healthcare perspective, you know, you're on the front lines in L.A., you're connected with a lot of healthcare professionals probably across the country. What are you seeing in terms of the virus? Is it losing in intensity? Is it strengthening? What do you see happening with the actual virus itself? So with the virus, of course, you know, really big surge back in the spring and things kind of calmed down over the summer, early fall. We definitely saw a lull in intensity in, in cases. Um, but now with the holidays, there has been a huge surge. And I know Los Angeles has become an epicenter of that. Um, and we're still, you know, from November, December, January, still experiencing the effects of that surge. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting how the hotspots have kind of migrated around the country, you know, landed in Southern California for now. Um, Lord willing, you know, the past couple of days, we've experienced a slight downturn in our number of cases. Hopefully that continues and doesn't resurge. Um, and, you know, in conjunction with that vaccine being given, hopefully we see more of a steady downturn in our case volume. Um, but still, it, it's so serious. And I think a really big part of that is we still don't have an actual cure. Yes, we have a vaccine. We can prevent this. Right. Yes, we have right. treatment. But in these severe cases, the majority of cases that land in the intensive care unit, it's people not responding to treatment. It doesn't work for them. So until we have a cure or until enough people get vaccinated, I, it still is a very serious problem. Yeah, I, I uh, follow the numbers uh, closely here in Ohio, and our trend is going down. We're really encouraged here in the Buckeye State, and we hope that continues. Um, but I hope it happens across the country as well. So thinking back with me, Rachel, when this whole journey being a traveling COVID-19 nurse began, you, you left your job in Virginia at, at a hospital, sailed up to New York City. Did you initially think that this would be your life for the next year or two? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, it's funny to think back. Um, going to New York and leaving my job, honestly, Taylor and I were thinking we would be in New York City. And in the summertime, we'd sail back to Virginia and, you know, continue on life as normal, so to speak. Um, and even, 
even in the winter, um, around Christmas time, we enjoy going to Bavaria and spending some um, time there with our family, enjoying the German Christmas season. Um, not even, and we were so looking forward to that, not even thinking that, oh, the borders are right. closed. We can't even get to Europe. Um, so now the way things have gone, I, I wouldn't change it for anything. And, you know, Taylor and I weren't anticipating this at all. But it's not something that we were opposed to either. I think the Lord just kept opening door after door um, and, you know, revealing to us that we are we are prepared. We are equipped. Our lifestyle um, just naturally leads to traveling right. around and, you know, offering help where we can. Um, and we have seen significant blessing in the midst of that also. Now, Taylor's with you in L.A., right? That's correct. But he he hasn't gone to all the locations with you. Right. So when I was in the Virgin Islands, um, he was only there for part of the time. He wasn't able to be okay. there for the entire time. Otherwise, he has been with me. I'm going to talk about Toledo in a minute, but I have a two-part question. So do you think you'll continue serving in this capacity? And if so, why do you keep accepting these opportunities? Yeah, I definitely think I'll continue. I'm done with my contract in Los Angeles end of March, and I fully anticipate taking another COVID contract, you know, wherever wherever there's a need. I am in the process right now also of becoming certified and licensed as a nurse practitioner. So um, hope, hopefully within the summer or fall, I will start looking for a nurse practitioner job and be able to, to get one and kind of set roots somewhere. Um, but, you know, as COVID still goes, I definitely still want to help and do what I can right now. Um, you know, and, and for Taylor and I, it, even just from the initial going to New York City, to help, you know, it's just something that we just feel like we have been equipped for and have the capability of doing. And I think that motivates in every new contract. Um, we just know that we can keep doing this. We have the power to do this and actually make an impact. And it's encouraging contract after contract to go through all these hospitals and, you know, see, see the impact I've been able to make and, um, you know, how I've been blessed and how people have been able to impact me as well. Um, and there's, you know, through everything, the Lord has just really um, given us a sweet, um, a sweet bond from everything that's happened. And the continued support of our friends and family has been phenomenal. Um, and the financial blessing that the Lord has given us through this, too, has been incredible. Uh, that's, that's good to hear. So let's go back to Toledo for a moment. So part of the risk that you faced and you knew going into New York, actually, was the possibility of contracting COVID, which you did in Toledo. Uh, actually, Taylor and you got COVID during Toledo. What symptoms mm -hmm. did you have and how did that impact your world, your life? Yeah, so that was December when I was in Toledo and it was about midway through my contract. I was feeling okay. Taylor, though, um, doesn't get sick very often. And if he does, um, he's, he's a really strong personality and, you know, has high pain tolerance. So doesn't let on that he's sick. Um, but just one really one day, 24 hours, he had a fever, he had flu like symptoms. So I said, we need to go get tested. Um, he ended up being positive. So I got tested and I was positive also. So that being said, I don't think I would have known that I had COVID if it wasn't for him getting sick. Um, thankfully, within 24 hours, he was better. I only ended up having a headache and some back pain. It was a really easy course of illness for me. Um, 
and thankfully quick course of illness for Taylor. And I'm so, I'm thankful that, you know, it was such a easy time for us. And I'm thankful that we did get tested too, so that um, we knew that, okay, we have to, we have to quarantine, isolate so that we don't spread this to other people. Right. Was it hard for you knowing that you were in Toledo to serve the COVID patients that during that, what, 10 days, two weeks, whatever you're quarantined, that you couldn't care for COVID patients? Yeah, it was tough, especially at that time, you know, just after Thanksgiving, they were experiencing quite a few cases in the hospital. And the hospital itself, I really, really loved that hospital. It was Mercy Health St. Anne's. Um, the ICU staff was absolutely incredible, and they were so welcoming. And it was just a pleasure to be able to get up and um, join forces with this staff and care for these COVID patients. So it was really sad to um, have to leave and yeah, not be able to give my services, not be able to help out. You know, it was definitely a, a paradigm shift for my mindset and what I was doing and hard just to slow down for two weeks <laughs> and stop working. Um, but I, I'm so thankful in one sense that Taylor and I were in it together and that we were able to isolate together. That was sweet for both of us. Yeah, that's that's good. I know from talking with you many times, not just in the podcast, but we, we've interacted um, on social media or text messages, that you will go wherever the Lord leads you. But personally and somewhat privately, is there a place or a role that you think about, dream about, where you'd like to go after the LA time ends? Yeah, you know, personally, I, I definitely want to take another COVID contract after this. I would love to stay on the West Coast, um, <laughs> maybe Pacific Northwest. It's beautiful out here. It is. Um, it's just gorgeous in the weather. It's warm. I mean, our cold front is 60 degrees, so I really can't complain about that. But, you know, beyond that, a little bit more long term, um, my dreams towards being a nurse practitioner. I also, Taylor and I would love to settle in Southern California. Um, we would love to go back to Virginia, too, or maybe Hawaii. We're, we're pretty open, honestly. Um, we just kind of want to be in a place of the country that has some natural beauty um, for Taylor's photography business um, and access, you know, to a lot of national parks and whatnot. You want to be in warm weather so you can sail your boat more often than you can in Virginia or Ohio. Exactly. Yes, that that would be phenomenal to have sailing season all year round. Do you miss uh, not having your boat with you right now? Yes. Taylor and I were just speaking what what we would give to be able to hop on turning points and even just go for an afternoon sail. And it's, it's really fun, you know, even in Southern California, there is a good sailing culture here. And sometimes we'll just go and walk around marinas and just admire the boats there um, and, and dream of turning points because we, we definitely miss being on her and sailing. And that makes me think about your, your schedule. So what is your schedule like? Are you free to like go away for a weekend and do fun things or whatever? Or are you more... Does your schedule restrain you from doing a lot of things like that? Right now, I'm pretty locked down. Um, I have I work four 12-hour shifts a week. And on the days off, um, I'm studying for my nurse practitioner boards, which pretty much takes up all day for me on my off days. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll be done with that in two weeks, Lord willing. So <laughs> after that, yeah, we definitely, Taylor and I definitely want to get out and do some day trips to some of the parks around us and go hiking and enjoy the ocean, um, catch some waves and whatnot. Well, it sounds like a great time. I 
would like to be out there with you and Taylor. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people who listen to this podcast would probably like to be with you in LA, but um, we'll, we'll serve the Lord where he has us. And, and we talked about that earlier. So Rachel, I want to thank you for joining me on the, on the podcast for the second time. I have one last question. And this question brings us back to the purpose of this podcast, all of our podcasts, that being to share Cedarville stories for God's glory. We know in 1 Corinthians 10.31, it reads, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. With that scripture in mind, in what ways do you hope or do you believe you are bringing God glory? You know, I I hope and I strive for to bring Him glory in everything. And, you know, for me, every day, every morning when I wake up, I have to remind myself of that, you know, preach the gospel to myself every day and start my day in the word and in prayer um, and in a worshipful attitude so that the rest of my my day and my perspective and my mindset is on the Lord um, and, you know, bleeding from that. So I hope that when I interact with my colleagues and my patients, even just keeping a positive attitude in the hospital is something that, you know, so many people are just tired and sick of COVID and they're just over it. And having a positive, joyful attitude and being able to encourage people um, goes a long way and has led me to many a gospel-centered conversation um, with my coworkers to share the love of Jesus with them. Um, and, you know, on my off days, getting to, to give my everything in my studying, you know, for my future career in education um, and really just enjoying my time with my husband and, you know, not taking that for granted, being thankful for his support and my friends and family. You know, there's so many different aspects that I can really give everything um, and glorify the Lord in giving my best. Well, I encourage you to to continue to give it your all. I know you will from the time, as much as I know you, I know you will. And I encourage you to keep pressing on and to borrow a word that you mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, and that is being that is joy. It is a joy for me to have gotten to know you uh, over the past year through your service in New York and now LA. I look forward to seeing where the Lord takes you next, and maybe we can do another podcast then or or something, but uh, keep serving Him, and uh, thanks for joining me today on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.